Now I've got some here. You won't put anything of it. I want to read something from this. This is a monument erected in 1889 in Hawaii for Hiram Bingham. Now Hiram Bingham was the first, or amongst the first, well, he was the first uh, with his wife and a couple of others as well, missionaries to go to Hawaii. Now, most of us think of Hawaii and we think of a holiday. <laughs> uh, he went there to evangelize. And um, he got on very good terms with the uh, king and queen and they followed and, and got baptized and so on. Let me just read you this memorial was put up to celebrate the 100th anniversary of his birth. He was born in 1789. And this is what it says. Hiram Bingham. By the way, his son, his son, Hiram Bingham II, uh, discovered um, all the Inca settlements in South America, the Upper Indians. Hiram Bingham, born in Bennington, um, Vermont, October the 30th, same birthday as my, mother, as my wife, 1789, died in New Haven, Connecticut, 1869. This slab is placed here in grateful remembrance of a pioneer missionary by descendants of Hawaiian Islanders uh, 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 oh, aided by his children, among whom he preached Christ for more than 20 years. He preached the first sermon ever delivered in this city, that's Honolulu, April 25th, 1820. From fear not, for behold, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Here he taught confiding king, queen, and chiefs, and faced dangerous and bore uh, calumny from abroad. That means, you know, people took against him. Um, and aided in reducing the language to writing. But he reduced the language to writing to 12 letters, which is quite an accomplishment. Translated much of the Bible, composed books, hymns, and tunes, and baptized a thousand converts. Planted the church, planned this edifice, that's the church where this is, and with his loving people on June the 8th, 1839, laid this adjoining cornerstone beneath which was placed a Hawaiian Bible, first published in May the 10th, 1839. From here, amid loud wailings of hundreds of his flock, he sailed on August 3rd, 1840, following year, to revisit his native land, of course, that's the United States, but never returned and was not with them when they opened the building on July the 21st, 1842. With joyful acclamation, they thus dedicated this church to Jehovah our God forever and ever. 1789 to 1898, Na, Na Binamu, which was, um, we can see at the bottom, perhaps, I don't know if we can, but that's uh, his name in Hawaiian, Hiram Bingham. Well, now, he preached on April the 25th in 1820. The first sermon, uh, proper sermon ever preached in Hawaii. Now, I'm going to really tear you up today. Did you know five months today is Christmas Day? Hence the text. Fear not, 
hold up in your good tidings of joy. But to be fair, Mr. Hiram Bingham preached on the same text on the 25th of April. <laughs> so the Christmas story isn't for once a year, is it? So I want to read to you from Luke chapter 2. And uh, verse 8. Okay. Luke chapter 2 and verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So I want to share with you uh, from the same text that uh, um, Hiram Bingham preached from in, on April the 25th. This is July the 25th, and it's all about what happened on December the 25th. Um, and the text is this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For to you this day is born a saviour who is Christ the Lord. Now, as we emerge from this uh, lockdown, we realise that uh, the COVID situation is far from finished, but we are emerging from it. Praise God. And uh, we had a lovely day yesterday. Great day together. Um, let's just focus, refocus on the fact that what we have to, to enjoy ourselves and to share with others is an amazing gospel. Good news. Now, I'm a bit of a news watcher. I tend, I don't, I'm a bit of a sad man, really. The only two things I tend to watch on the TV are the news and bargain hunt, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, but there you go. Um, it's about my lunchtime. Um, but I really have got, a little bit tired of watching the news. COVID from every single direction, isn't it? Um, but this is good news. And it's still good news. And it's good news for today. And it's good news that people must hear. Good news of great joy. Now you hear a lot of programs, don't you? Features on what people have sort of tried to do to get through the pandemic and the Ill, ills they've suffered and uh, the ways they've tried to address those things. And uh, they're so happy that uh, their entertainments and stuff are coming back, uh, hopefully. And of course, we're in the middle of uh, a, a Olympic Games without uh, any spectators. But, um, but really, all of these things fade into insignificance compared with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he reaches the parts in your life 
that the others don't reach. He's the Heineken Jesus. And no psychology, no fun, no suffering, no experience, no counselling, no holiday, no nothing in this life can touch or compare with what Jesus does through the gospel. For to you is born this day a saviour who is Christ the Lord. He's all those things. In a sense, he didn't become Christ until his baptism. That's when the Holy Spirit came on him because Christ means anointed. And he was anointed there to do his work, to heal the sick and raise the dead, of course, but himself to suffer and to be raised from the dead. But he's always been Lord and He's actually always been saviour. You know, if you get, as you get into the scriptures, you find all those times that the Lord Jesus, before he became incarnate, that is, the flesh, took on flesh, how he appeared to those in the Old Testament time and time again. And he, it was, who was in the garden. Um, and... He therefore gave the promise of his own coming that the seed of the woman would bruise the serpent's head. Adam and Eve sinned, or Adam sinned is the thing that really affected Eve's sin obviously took place first, but it was Adam was the representative of humanity. And he affected the whole of his own progeny, that's you and me, but apart from the Savior himself, and God put a curse on creation. I can't stress too heavily how important that curse is in studying the world that we know. We can study the world as we know it scientifically, and uh, the fact we have this facility this morning uh, proves that point. But it's not the world that God created. Don't forget that. He created a perfect world. And because of the sin of Adam, he cursed it. And the reason he did that was because an uncursed world that was utterly sinful and growing... Uh, with populations who'd never died, would be an unbearable uh, evil. So God had to put a curse on creation and a stop, which is also the same reason he sent the flood and also the confusion of the languages at the Tower of Babel. God has to hem evil in. But that's not his primary task or desire, shall we say. His primary desire is to save. You and me, I'm looking at here this morning, all those out there in this town of Letchworth Garden City or wherever we might be living at this present time, some are further afield, some are much further afield. Um, and when the angel came to the shepherds, that was his message, fear not. Behold, I'll give you good news, good news, gospel, that is. Word evangelion, euangelion, and evangel are all mean, just mean good news. The angelos bit is announcement, and the u bit, eu, is good. Um, and um, so it's good news, and it should be for all people. To you is born a saviour. Now, the sad thing 
which is true now, but it was also, as you know, true then. It's no more true now than it was true then. Is that many people don't really want to have a saviour. They are perfectly happy as they are, they think. But that's because they kid themselves that they're having a good time. And they have things to prop them up for that, a bit like the prodigal son when he still had his money in the far country. And they kid themselves that, you know, we are just a bunch of chemicals. Um, and uh, when we pop our clogs, that's it. Um, so eat and drink for tomorrow we die. I mean, that's, that's a, a phrase in the Bible. <laughs> it's not a new idea. Um, but it's not true. Well, it's true that we die, but it's not true that that's it. And on the contrary, um, it is appointed to man once to die, and after that, the judgment. So Christ will appear a second time, not this time to deal with sin, as he did the first time, which is what the angel is talking about, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. That's what the book of Hebrews says. So those of you now looking at me uh, who know the Lord Jesus as Savior, you are secure. And that text we had as a fighter verse text assures us that Jesus will go on. Uh, or God will go on doing that work of faith, sustaining you even through every adversity and every trial and every failure right to the day of Jesus Christ. You've got that assurance. You will be saved. You believe in Jesus now as your savior, you will be saved. But the world out there doesn't believe that. And as we know, for the most part, it doesn't want to know. But there is such a thing as a fool's paradise, and that is it. Because it is appointed unto man once to die. And there was, we were talking, <laughs> I mentioned about the fear of death last week. And I mentioned this, and I will repeat it. Um, uh, my darling son is with the Lord, and uh, she's delivered from all earthly fears. Um, and Jesus came to deliver us from the fear of death. But she did have a fear of death when she was a young woman. And it was prompted, as I told you last week, by a broadcast she heard on Transworld Radio from Joel Neighbourhood of the Back to God Hour. And um, he talks about death, and she, it kind of, you know, got to her. And um, it, it needn't have done, but it did. I mean, it's true of all of us when we're tempted in that kind of way. Um, I mean, one of the things that Joel Naderford said, as I said last week, was people ask me, is Christianity practical? Well, that's a good question. Is Christianity practical? So he said, I always tell them Christianity is as practical as death is inevitable. Which kind of makes it practical for everybody. The trouble is, most people don't think about it, don't want to think about it, and when confronted with realities, don't want to know. We have, in fact, we have a whole culture like that. Um, we have it, we from cradle almost on, onwards. 
we, we, we stop people thinking about realities by two, two means, really. First of all, by educating, in inverted commas, them to a pagan, nonsensical, anti-scientific view uh, that things are getting better when, in fact, they're all getting worse all the time. That's what science says. Science says it's, everything's declining. Uh, evolutionists believe things are going up. Well, that's just a foolish faith, but people are taught it, and it takes them. And the reason why they believe it in the first place, or why Darwin formulated it in the first place, was because it takes your mind off God. But it's untrue. And the other thing is, we're incredibly adept at uh, producing entertainment. Um, I mean, scroll down channels if you want to even a free view, let alone any other form of um, uh, TV th uh, contract thingy you might have, um, and you'll see that uh, people like to be entertained. And entertainment, on the whole, is so that you don't think about realities. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with entertainment as such. We all need to relax. Uh, that's okay. But you know as well as I do that most of it is fantasy, designed to stop you thinking about reality. And in fact, I remember reading years ago, it's important to remember that everything, that TV is all about entertainment. It's not about anything else. Everything on it, including, including the news, and certainly Bargain Hunter, <laughs> is all about entertainment. But even the news is. Did you know that? It's selected for sensation. It's selected the kind of... Uh, stimulate bits in you which kind of draw you out. I mean, so much is people talking about the news, isn't it? Talking about their feelings. And other people talking about their feelings about their feelings. And politicians talking about other people's feelings about what they feel about the news. It's gossip, effectively. And, and <laughs> alas, that's what we feed ourselves on if we're not careful. Now, as I say, we, we all need to relax. We all need to uh, have things that kind of enable our minds to just go into a slightly neutral position at times. But that's basically what people, instead, therefore, of facing reality, and instead, therefore, of embracing the greatest news there is, people are settled for a much lower and false view of news and of entertainment and of joy. And they want... They're satisfied with that, they think. But it will, they'll wake up when they die and suddenly find that they were wrong. And they'll think about all those people who tried to tell them about Jesus. You know, I've got a clock outside my house now which says, it is time to seek the Lord. Um, I bought the letters for that about 12 years ago, you know, from, from that nice hardware shop, what's it called in... Old Stevenage, I can't think of it's called now. A deacon. What? What? Deacons, was it? Is it no, no, that's not the name. No, it doesn't matter. Um, it's been there a long time, uh, since the 1970s. Demons, wasn't it? Demons, that's the one. Demons, that's it. Um, thank you. Yes. Well, I bought them from there thinking I'd like to put a clock for that. It is time to seek the Lord around it. And I never did it until January this year. Um, now, down in Ilfracombe, uh, the Anglican Church there has this on the clock tower. And um, 
Judy, Becky and Johnny and Silver and I was, was intrigued to see it up there. And I often thought, I'd like to have that outside our huts. And uh, as I said, I bought the letters, but only got around to doing it. But it is time to seek the Lord. Now is the time to seek the Lord. You see, Jesus is now the saviour. This is the good news. But he wasn't necessarily the saviour in the Old Testament, you know. He was the one who called down far from heaven. Yahweh on earth called Yahweh on heaven to rain fire on Sodom. And he will be the judge on the last day. But now is the day of salvation. Now he invites everybody to have, no matter what they've done, their sins forgiven and cleansed. And renewed, to have new life. This is the good news. And you go to Bethlehem and you'll see a strange sign. A place where animals are kept. There'll be a manger. And, you know, a manger is where they eat. You know, you know a bit French. <laughs> and, and that's what, like, what it was. There's straw in there. And the baby was wrapped up in cloths. We tend to say swaddling clothes. In fact, I think when I was reading, that's what I said. But actually, that gives some sort of idea that, you know, you've been to uh, judge your mama baby or something and got to some nice stuff, you know. Um, this, these were cloths, and they were wrapped up tight. They used to wrap them up tight um, and put in the manger. That's how the sound God came into the world. Now... I think you have to say, often a lot is made of that, and, and, and it doesn't actually necessarily mean that Mary and Joseph were poor. I don't think they necessarily were poor in the sort of, you know, sense, or even homeless. It's just that this decree had gone out from Caesar Augustus. Everyone had to go back to their hometown, so they went back to Bethlehem, and the place was just jam-packed. Had to take what they could. Um, I mean, Mary's aunt or great aunt, un uncle rather, Mary's great uncle was, or uncle, was Joseph of Arimathea, so he was a rich man. Anyway, but that, by the way, uh, but that's how Jesus came into the world and was laid in the manger, and that was the sign. And what a sign from God. God is coming right down to the level, the lowest of the low, in order to save both the highest of the high and the lowest of the low. The lowest of the low who will humble themselves, uh, that's not half of them often to do that. Well, sometimes pride can be bound up in, in the humblest of, uh, in the uh, most deprived of circumstances, can't it? The human heart is proud. But if you're up high, then uh, coming down is a difficult job. How hard it is for a rich man, says Jesus, to enter the kingdom of God. But it's possible. God. With God, Matthew 19, 28, all things are possible. So we have this message, but in order to preach it, we need the truth. Now, we do preach the truth in this church. We have a reputation for that because it's true. And we do care for people in this church. Again, we've got a reputation for that, and that's true. Um, but people need to be awakened, which the likes of you and I can't do. But well, the Holy Spirit can, which is why we're still in that text of the year before last, wait for the Holy Spirit. 
because every revival, and I believe God is going to send revival to this town, and hopefully much wider, demands the Holy Spirit comes down and opens up the human heart to see its need. Spurgeon used to say, the human heart is like a stone in your rockery. Perhaps some of you, you gardeners have got a nice rockery. I've got a rockery, but it's, it doesn't function as well. Um, but some of you, I'm sure, will take a lot of trouble over your rockery. And it looks beautiful. If you actually do, you know, plant it with some alpine plants and all sorts of things like this, um, and tend it, it's very beautiful. But Spurgeon used to say, the human heart is like a stone in the rockery. Lift it up, and you'll see all the creepy crawlies underneath. <laughs> Augustine had a, a rather more smelly version of that. He said it was the human heart's like a cesspit. It's all right, provided you leave it alone. <laughs> but you start stirring it up, and boy, do you know. And that's true of the nicest possible person, because we're all corrupt by nature. And, you know, you're human. I tell you this time and time again. I'm very pleased with George Duncan, you know. I, I mean, Duncan Campbell, rather, of the Lewis Awakening. It was very strong on this. Your human nature never is never improved this side of glory. Don't, don't look for it to be improved. <laughs> you don't get better. <laughs> better. No, 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 no. That's not how the gospel works at all. The gospel gives you eternal life through Jesus dying for your sins and then the Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit living in you which produces the new kind of life. And actually you have a battle, don't you, between the two and the old, and you get the old one coming back, reasserting itself. But the Holy Spirit, if you live by the Spirit, then you can not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. That's how it works. That's how the gospel works. And um, those who think they're getting better and better are sadly deluded. But those who live by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit. And that's what we're called to do, brothers and sisters, as we move into this new era. But we can pray, and we must pray to the Holy Spirit to bring conviction of sin to people, to show them they need the Savior. They may have survived the COVID uh, pandemic, or maybe some are still affected by it, but they're not going to survive the pandemic of death without Jesus. He's the Savior. And so that's why the angel prefaced what he said with fear not. There's so much fear around as a result of what's happened, which I'm not surprised at. And there still is a lot of fear around particularly as rates are still rising and so on. But brothers and sisters this morning, the thing we should fear more than anything else is that we will perish without God. That's the thing we should be afraid of. And how do you deal with that? Believe it or not, by the right kind of fear. You fear God. You reverence him. You take him seriously and you take his word seriously and you take his gospel seriously. And when you do that, you find that he loves you. 
you find that he loves you so much, he sends his son to die an agonizing death for your sins. You see that he paid the price of your sins, no matter what you've done. And, and he made this point with the sign right at the start. Stick, the, stick his son in a, a stable in a manger where animals eat. Just to make the point, he reaches right down. Right down to the lowest level human beings can get to. But sometimes it's easier for them to get saved than the rich and the mighty and the famous who are very full of themselves. I tell you, you can't be full of the Holy Spirit and full of yourself. D.L. Moody used to say, <laughs> people talk about themselves being self-made men. You know, a lot of people like that around. And he said, that's just what they are. Absolutely accurate. That's a very dangerous position to be in when you come to die. Oh, God, I'm a self-made man. And God says, yes, I know. Out of my presence. I did it my way. You've got it right. Do you know Paul Anker wrote that song? Paul Anker was a Jew, a godless Jew, really. And Frank Sinatra sang it, but he actually came to loathe it, his daughter says, because of what it actually was saying. It became famous, and a lot of people have it at funerals. But he actually, <laughs> all credit to him, he actually came to a point when he didn't like that song and repudiated it. So there you go. So there we are. There is, don't do it your way. That's not wise. I was just said to you on the other day, and I'll finish here. I was on a, one of these trips around the bay, thingies once with Sir. And they're fine, aren't they, on a calm day, but when it gets choppy, you kind of uh, rock around. Uh, and there was a little notice be reasonable and do what the captain says. It's, uh, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'll go by that. I'll be reasonable and do what the captain says. God says the same thing. Be reasonable. And do what I say. You are a sinner. You'll go to hell without salvation. But I've done absolutely everything for you. Today is for you as born a savior, who is Christ the Lord. So fear not, but do believe in him. And of course, the shepherds believed. And they hastened to Bethlehem and they saw it was just like they were told. And let me tell you, the gospel is just like you're told, as it is in here. Whoever believes in Jesus shall be saved. No other name by which you must be saved, but you will be saved by him. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Whoever, whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You know how um, Richard Baxter said, I'm so glad God didn't say. God so loved the world. But if Richard Baxter believes in him, he won't perish but have eternal life. Because I would think it was another Richard Baxter. But since he says, whoever, I know it means me. <laughs>